1: And I'm Imogen.
0: And we are from the Course Report team. And each month we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read about and talked about in the office. And in our last episode for March, we covered a ton of student success stories. We're now wrapping up April. And this month we were showered with a ton of exciting fundraising and acquisition news. Uh, so we'll cover all of that. And Imogen, what else will we talk about in this episode?
1: So one other big thing is ISAs, income sharing agreements, which continue to be discussed in the news and will give you the latest scoop. And then a few boot camps were approved for a new VA program called Vet Tech. We'll tell you exactly what that means. We'll also cover news about data science boot camps and diversity in boot camps in the U.S. and abroad. And if you listen through to the end of this podcast, we'll finish with a couple of articles about schools that are expanding the bootcamp model into healthcare, which is super interesting.
0: Yeah. So listen through to the end. And first up, this wasn't really news news, but a report came out in April from the Christensen Institute about boot camps as disruptors. Uh, The most interesting part of this is that the authors posit five scenarios for the future of boot camps. We'll let you read the whole research paper if you want to, but those five possible scenarios are one that the programs stall and fail to shake up higher ed. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Two, the federal government opens up Title IV money, possibly through an outcomes-based funding model. Three, boot camps expand into lifelong learning. And four, that the programs take on skills-based subjects beyond tech. So we'll talk about that. Healthcare, they've already kind of moved into other verticals as well. Or finally, five, that they achieve breadth and depth and widespread disruption. So this is all through the lens of this like disruption model. So we'll include the link to the entire research paper if you want.
1: Yeah, that's all really fascinating. And we'll actually talk about several of these scenarios throughout today's podcast. But let's start with some new acquisition and fundraising news. Liz, what's the big acquisition news in April?
0: Yeah, so this has got to be the highest value acquisition in the bootcamp space so far 2U, which is an education company, acquired Trilogy Education, which we know runs coding boot camps for universities. So 2U is going to pay $400 million in cash and issue $350 million in stock to buy that New York-based company. And the fit definitely makes sense to you. Administers online degrees for huge universities and Trilogy administers boot camps at universities. So that makes perfect sense. Trilogy in the past has been a bit closed off about outcomes, about the size of their business. They don't participate in any of our like course report, research reports, anything like that. So there are pluses and minuses, but we will keep you updated as we hear more more news about that acquisition.
1: Yeah, that's a big one. And then in fundraising news, Make School has raised $15 million in Series B funding. Make School co-founder Ashutosh Desai talks to Ed Surge's Sydney Johnson about the school's income share agreement option and the school's plans to use the new funding to expand to New York City in addition to their current location in San Francisco. Desai also notes that many students leave the course for job offers before completing it, leading to a poor completion rate but high job placement rate. He says he hopes the school's partnership with Dominican University will help those completion rates because students who complete the program will get a qualification.
0: And back to acquisitions, Bridgepoint Education, which acquired Full Stack Academy last month, has now acquired an online tutoring company called TutorMe. Bridgepoint has also changed its name to Zovio, uh, so, update your Google News alerts. And one interesting tidbit the Zovio COO, Greg Finkelstein, says that they haven't ruled out adding more campuses to Full Stack Academy, which currently has locations in New York and Chicago, but that most of their growth is expected to come from partnerships with colleges.
1: And then London data science bootcamp Cambridge Spark has been awarded $1.4 million to fund a research collaboration with the University of Cambridge. The funding will go towards research and development of the bootcamp's learning platform.
0: Oh, and this one isn't a fundraise, but just a note that Galvanize has named a new CEO, Harsh Patel, who as we know started Maker Square a few years ago. Maker Square was acquired by Hack Reactor, and then Hack Reactor was acquired by Galvanize. So Harsh has been an important leader in the bootcamp space for a while. It's nice to see him leading Galvanize now. Yeah, congrats to Harsh. Absolutely. Well, moving on, ISAs, income-sharing agreements, seem to be the hottest topic in the education world right now. They are blowing up the news this April. We don't need to summarize all of these articles that we read this April, but Imogen, give us the rundown on articles you read about ISAs this month.
1: Sure. So a Planet Money story on NPR looked at the history of ISAs with a focus on Purdue, TechCrunch profiled ISAs and how they might be able to transform the future of education. Two Forbes contributors also profiled ISAs, looking at what they are and how they work. Then a Bloomberg article described ISAs as, quote, college grads selling stakes in themselves, end quote, which I thought was an interesting way to describe them. The article goes on to profile a Purdue student who used an ISA to fund her college education, saying, quote, to pay for college, she sold a piece of her future, end quote.
0: And you obviously can't read a story about ISAs without reading about Lambda School. They're all over the news when we talk about ISAs. So let me just run through those pieces from April. Business Insider Singapore, Forbes, Bloomberg, Business Times, and SF Chronicle all highlighted Lambda School this month. Tech Next looks at Lambda's new partnership with a fintech company called Paystack to launch Lambda School in Africa. The Times of India looks at Lambda's plans to launch in India. Uh, Their CEO, Austin Allred, says that he anticipates that India will be Lambda School's second largest market by the end of the year. And in an opinion piece in TechCrunch, uh, the author looks at Lambda School, how educated software engineers need to be in order to get jobs, and how those requirements compare to what people learn at college.
1: And then close on Lambda's heels for news coverage is Modern Labor, a new online bootcamp which we also talked about last month. Motherboard focused on the fact that Modern Labor offers a $2,000 per month stipend as well as an income share agreement for students. The Philly Inquirer profiles LEAF and PeopleJoy. Two companies aiming to relieve the burden of student debt. Leaf is an income share agreement provider which works with Lambda School and Thinkful and actually shares a co founder with Modern Labour. PeopleJoy is an app which helps people pay off student loans through integration with payroll systems and providing information about forgiveness programs and refinancing.
0: Very interesting. And according to EdSurge, there's a new online marketplace for ISAs. It's called Edly, and it connects students with individual investors. I think ISAs are really interesting, but the limit to them is that schools still need that like operating capital to provide the education programming in the first place. And Charles Trafton, the co-founder of Edly, says that this is the solution. So the company manages the cash flow between the school and the investor. And when students start paying back their ISAs, A separate ISA servicer like Vimo or Leaf would step in to collect payments, which means that like this is not a competitor to Vimo or Leaf, but would operate alongside it. Holberton is the first legit school to sign on, and they already offer income-sharing agreements. But Sylvain Kalash, the co-founder of Holberton, says that the school, quote, cannot take as many students as we want because we have a limited cash flow, end quote. And Holberton is going to continue funding a portion of its ISAs, but Edley will start to contribute to that, so we'll keep you updated as we find out more about Edley.
1: And then a number of boot camps and colleges had articles about them launching new income share agreements. The University of Utah is now offering one, according to the Daily Utah Chronicle. BetaKit reports that Canadian coding bootcamp camp HackerU is one of the first schools to offer ISAs in Canada. And the Star Tribune says that online bootcamp Thinkful is launching an ISA and a stipend in the Twin Cities, in Atlanta and Denver.
0: And finally, we've been kind of keeping track of how the political uh, world is reacting to ISAs. We've been reporting on how states mostly are reacting to them, but this is kind of huge. Inside Higher Ed and Politico report that Diane Aura-Jones, who's the principal deputy undersecretary at the Department of Education, said in early April that the Trump administration is considering establishing a program to offer income-sharing agreements. There's not a ton of detail here here yet. And this is in the context of colleges and universities, but obviously could have some implications on boot camp. So thought we would mention it. And then in other legislative news, Monica Mersch from The Daily at the University of Washington wrote about an ISA bill that passed in the Washington State Senate. This bill is called SB 5774, and it creates a pilot program where a student will pay a percentage of their income post-graduation, for a set period of time, to pay off those college loans that they used to pay for the school. And the article says that the bill will help 800,000 Washingtonians with an overall total of $24 billion in student loan debt. So all of those things could have implications for, for boot camps as well.
1: Yeah. So these ISAs totally look like they're going to disrupt the education system as we know it. But it sounds like it's not just paying for college that needs disrupting when it comes to the future of coding education. Liz, tell us about how this recent college admissions scandal is putting the education system under the microscope.
0: Yeah, okay. So first up, there was this opinion piece in The Hill that looked at how higher ed needs kind of rethink in the context of the college admissions scandals. Uh, The author says that instead of pushing people towards the quote-unquote best colleges, they suggest pushing people towards career readiness instead, and uh, they mention coding boot camps as a way to do that.
1: And then MarketWatch looks at how students often need further training after college in order to land a job, mentioning coding boot camps and other short-term training programs. The reporter asks if college is in need of a shakeup and looks at whether non-college programs should be eligible for federal financial aid. The article quotes General Assembly's VP of Legal Affairs, Liz Simon, who says that financial aid should be tied to outcomes. She says, quote, measuring outcomes is really complex, but that's got to be the cornerstone of any kind of federal funding expansion.
0: And we've talked about Entangled Solutions in the past, and Entangled and Strata Education did research to find the four best educational on-ramps to good jobs for American adults. This was published in EdSurge. Two suggestions were particularly uh, stand out. They said first, this model of like employer as payer, which is a trend that we see rising in boot camps already, with like corporate training and those types of partnerships. And second is outcomes based tuition. And they give examples like Kenzie Academy, Lambda School, and Make School, uh, as they talk about that that type of model.
1: And then the Globe and Mail published an excerpt from a book about coding education called Coders, the Making of a New Tribe and the Remaking of the World by Clive Thompson. The excerpt looks at how coding boot camps appeal to blue-collar workers whose industries were declining, and looks at which companies are offering to train workers in coding, and also gives advice about choosing a coding boot camp.
0: Very cool. Well, we started this podcast with news that Trilogy Education was bought for $750 million. As we know, Trilogy powers boot camps at universities. So we know that these partnerships between boot camps and universities have legs, uh, to say the least. That trend started a few years ago, but it's really gaining steam in 2019. So Imogen, give us an overview of what's going on in the university world.
1: Yeah, sure. So, in response to 2U's acquisition of Trilogy Education, Sydney Johnson of EdSurge wrote a long piece to look at why more and more coding boot camps are expanding to colleges. She mentions FulSac Academy's partnership with Cal Poly, Kenzie Academy's partnership with Butler University, and Make School's partnership with the Dominican University. The article looks at how most of these partnerships are with university extension or continuing education departments but that there is a concern that many of these university boot camps are not making it obvious that the curriculum content is coming from a third-party provider. But Julie Robinson, the president of the National Association of Extension Program and Staff Development Professionals, seems to think the partnerships are quite synergistic, saying that the university extension departments need the expertise of the coding bootcamp instructors, and the coding schools perhaps need the university's connection to and trust from the local community.
0: I think she hit the nail right on the head. And it's not just Trilogy that are forming these partnerships. Two new partnerships came to our attention this month. First, from Campus Technology, we learned that the University of Wisconsin is partnering with Thinkful to offer a coding boot camp through the School of Continuing Education, An Education Dive announced that IBM will be partnering with the University of Louisville to launch IBM Skills Academy. It will cover faculty training as well as courses in areas like artificial intelligence, blockchain, cybersecurity, data science, and quantum computing, for University Credit or IBM Digital Credentials.
1: And we talk a lot about coding boot camps on this podcast, but of course we know that the bootcamp model has taken off in data science too. Many coding schools have launched data science programs and data science seems to be becoming pretty popular. Liz, tell us about the data science learning options in Chicago.
0: Sure. Alyssa Schwerer from Built in Chicago gives us a nice landscape of data science boot camps in Chicago. She looks at Data Science Dojo, Flatiron School, General Assembly, Medis, and Promotable. Imogen, is there anything outside of Chicago this month?
1: Yeah, so I read two articles about Data Incubator, a free data science boot camp, um, which has campuses in D.C. and in New York. Um, Technically, Baltimore profiles a graduate of data incubator, Ellen Ambrose, who had a doctorate in neuroscience when she became interested in data science, and now she is a data scientist at ProTennis. And then an article in Search Enterprise looked at how many companies are now training data scientists internally, and also mentioned third-party education organizations, highlighting the data incubator's campus in New York.
0: And April brought a lot of news about diversity surrounding coding boot camps, mostly in ways that boot camps around the world are adapting the boot camp model. So Imogen, first up, what's going on in Africa? So Tech
1: Cabal looks at the discrepancies between women and men in tech in Africa, including how much access boys and girls have to tech in developing countries. The article notes that women in Africa are, quote, 30 to 50% less likely than men to use the internet to increase their income or participate in public life. And most women are kept away by the high cost of the internet because they typically earn less than men, end quote. The article then highlights initiatives to get more girls and women into tech, including that 21% of Andela's developers are women. Andela is like a training to work program in parts of Africa. And on a related note, CIO East Africa looks at how the International Telecommunication Union celebrated Girls and ICT Day on April 25th in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
0: And according to the Times of India, Talent Sprint is partnering with Google to launch a one-year experiential coding bootcamp program for women in India. The initiative aims to nurture 600 women software engineers from India. Talent Sprint has been running a diversity program called Women in Software Engineering, or WISE. So this partnership will build off of their past work.
1: And the Australian government is spending 3.4 million Australian dollars to encourage more women to enter STEM careers. The Australian Minister for Industry, Science and Technology, Karen Andrews, says that the funding will address the gender inequity in STEM and will help, quote, improve women's economic security, end quote. She says, we know that STEM is the engine of technology, innovation and wealth, and gender diverse teams are better problem solvers.
0: And back in the U.S., WinCode is partnering with the Tech Hire Center at WYCA Greater Miami-Dade to run coding boot camps specifically for women who have dealt with domestic violence.
1: That's a cool initiative. And then Impact Alpha profiles Laboratoria, a bootcamp for women in Latin America, which since it launched in 2014 has trained 1,000 women and, and has increased those women's income by three to five times compared to what they were earning before.
0: Cool. And finally, Prime Digital Academy in Kansas City is offering 10 scholarships to students from communities which are underrepresented in tech. And those scholarships are worth a total of $20,000. And Grand Circus is doing their Facebook boot camp for the third year in a row. These scholarships are funded by Facebook, and they offer 25 scholarships to the boot camps in Detroit and Grand Rapids. And those scholarships will be awarded to Michigan residents only who qualify.
1: Wow, some great initiatives going on there. And then next up, we are going to talk about how coding boot camps are becoming more and more accessible as a path into tech for veterans who are transitioning out of the military. Liz, tell us the latest on the VA's new Vet Tech program.
0: I would love to. Okay, so the Providence Journal gives us an update on this new vet tech program from the Department of Veterans Affairs. It's an initiative to help veterans enroll in non-traditional programs teaching high tech skills, and the program applies specifically to classes in one of five areas, information science, computer programming, data processing, media applications, and computer software. And you may be thinking, how is this different from boot camps that accept the GI Bill, but unlike most gi bill programs any training received as part of vet tech will not decrease your gi bill entitlement in any way so you don't have to like use all of your uh gi bill benefits in order to like you don't have to spend them on a boot camp And this is also interesting. The VA is going to pay the training provider 25% of the course cost when the student enrolls, and then another 25% is going to be paid when when the student completes the program. And that remaining 50% balance of the training cost will be paid to the provider only when you secure meaningful employment in the field of study that you enrolled in. So very much outcomes-based puts a lot of like accountability on the schools. We will include a link in our blog post so that you can read more about eligibility and payment plans and the types of courses. Uh, but for now, I know that vet tech is available at Code Platoon. And Imogen, I think you know about another school that accepts it as well, right?
1: Yeah, Skill Distillery, a coding boot camp in Denver, Colorado, which teaches Java, has also been approved for that vet tech program. And so veterans can take the 16-week boot camp without using any of their GI Bill benefits.
0: Amazing. And finally, David Nikolaus from STL Today published a profile of Claim Academy in St. Louis and its recent VA approval. The school plans to open branch campuses on some military bases next year, which is interesting. I don't think I've heard of that before. And he talked to a student, Kevin Thornton, an Air Force veteran who moved to St. Louis from Texas, who says that Claim Academy is, quote, sort of like the military. If you can make it through boot camp, you can make it anywhere. And it shows that you are dedicated and adaptable and willing to learn.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Coding boot camps really do seem like a great option for veterans.
0: Absolutely. And next up, we always read these kind of general overviews of how to use a boot camp to break into tech. So, Imogen, do you want to give us an overview of the couple you read in April?
1: Yeah. So Tech Republic put together a cheat sheet for how to become a software developer. And so they explain the demand for software developers, the types of roles software developers might work in. They give examples of salaries and tips on how to launch a career. The article mentions coding boot camps and also cites course report stats. And then Tech Pluto looks at what languages people should look for when choosing a coding boot camp.
0: And in this CNBC video series, Get to Work with Susie Welch, Susie looks at how people can figure out if learning to code is the right choice for them and when people should go to a boot camp. She ends up basically saying that boot camp only makes sense if you have an actual aptitude for coding or she also says if you've exhausted all other professional avenues. We I think totally agree with her in that you should do free online resources to figure out if you actually like coding before you sign up for a full-time bootcamp. But Susie also makes crazy claims in this video. She says uh, she makes this really completely unbacked claim that 50% of bootcamp grads who get jobs are eventually fired, which our research says is absolutely untrue. In fact, they end up making more money. So yeah, I don't know where she got that from.
1: Well, it's great to hear about all these coding bootcamps and how accessible they are becoming to so many groups of people. But will these people actually be able to get jobs in tech when they graduate? Liz, tell us about the job market in Austin for bootcamp grads.
0: Sure, KVUE ABC interviews Lauren Bommel, the campus director at Flatiron School's new Austin campus, about the sorts of jobs you can land after a bootcamp in Austin. That's a nice video. And then Houston Innovation Map looks at software salaries across Texas, and here's what they see. First of all, web developer jobs in Texas are projected to grow 20% compared to the national average of 15% between 2016 and 2026. Austin leads the state in overall salary. Entry-level employees can expect to make an average of $69,000, while senior developers can climb to $121,000. And then Dallas is next, and uh, Houston and San Antonio are pretty similar after Dallas. Starting salaries are an average of 64 dollars to $65,000, and then more experienced workers can expect to get paid about $114,000. And they recommend Flatiron School or classes at WeWork if you're interested.
1: And then My San Antonio looks at how Nebraska has a major tech worker shortage and a local nonprofit has identified 100 students who want to go to code school but can't afford it. The governor and local business leaders are now calling for more funding for scholarships so that local people can afford to get tech training. So if you're looking for a tech job, Nebraska could be a good place to check out.
0: And WBRC looks at how many tech jobs there are in Birmingham, Alabama, and mentions that coding boot camps provide good opportunities. The article says that there were 1900 tech jobs added in Alabama last year and that tech companies are on the rise in Birmingham. Dion Gordon, CEO of Tech Birmingham, says that there are a lot of coding boot camps in the area and local colleges are also doing a good job increasing their CS offerings.
1: And then we've talked about returnships before, and San Francisco Chronicle profiles companies offering returnships to people who have been out of work for one to two years. Unfortunately, this article is paywalled, so we'll let you read this for yourself if you're an SF Chronicle subscriber, but Kathleen Pender, the author, focuses on a woman who did a bootcamp in 2016 and her struggle to get back into the workforce.
0: And Lighthouse Labs co-founder Jeremy Shockey wrote an opinion piece for The Globe and Mail about how he's seeing skilled tech workers move out of cities as house prices creep up. So companies in major cities are getting more limited access to top talent. And he says that this is opening an opportunity for remote workers and that companies and workers should embrace that option.
1: And then American Inno looks at the education industry's response to the Amazon HQ2 in Washington, D.C., including Flatiron School. Since Amazon's announcement, Virginia Tech has announced plans to build a $1 billion innovation campus, and the University of Virginia and George Mason University are both making new investments in their computer science departments. Flatiron School already had a campus in D.C., and they are now launching a data science fellowship program there.
0: And finally, this one comes from DevOps.com, so it's a bit esoteric, but Holberton co-founder Sylvain Kolosh looks at how in-demand site reliability engineers, or SREs, are, and what sorts of salaries they can earn, and why CS degrees don't seem to teach people the right skills to become an SRE. And then Sylvain also talks about why a lot of Holberton grads are getting hired as site reliability engineers.
1: Yeah, I think that was an interesting piece, but just keep in mind it was a sponsored blog post.
0: All right, Imogen, well, let's highlight a few bootcamp students who were featured in the news this April.
1: Yeah, so NBC profiled a man with autism who is learning to code at 4Geeks Academy in Miami. The article looked at how the coding bootcamp had to find new ways to teach the material to Victor, who is taking 16 weeks instead of nine weeks to complete the program. And his teacher thinks he is definitely hireable.
0: Cool, And the Jewish Standard highlighted Flatiron students who won a hackathon for women. They pointed out that the hackathon was also held on a Sunday so Orthodox Jewish women could attend. And the challenge was to create a product that could solve a problem or address a need related to entertainment and travel. It was sponsored by JetBlue Airways. So kind of makes sense. And the JetBlue Challenge was won by students from Flatiron School and they created an interface for passengers to discover volunteer opportunities at their destination and tied it to gaining bonus miles from the airline. And that prize was a round trip JetBlue tickets to any domestic destination. So congrats to them.
1: Yeah, good one. And then gamesindustry.biz profiles Farshida Faroo and Code to Inspire, a bootcamp she founded for women in Afghanistan. The article specifically mentions some of the awesome games that students are building at boot camp.
0: And Computer Weekly profiles a graduate of Flatiron School's London campus, Billy Simmons, who explains her experience at boot camp and her job as a technical associate at Barclay Techstars, which is a fintech accelerator.
1: Congrats to all those students! Now next up, we're going to run through some brief updates about coding boot camps, including new courses and campuses. Liz, what's happening in South Carolina?
0: According to the Post and Courier, almost 2,000 people have signed up for free coursework in South Carolina from SC Codes. The foundation of those courses is borrowed from lessons that the coding school The Iron Yard developed before they closed in 2017.
1: And then the World Economic Forum included Kuwaiti coding bootcamp Coded in its list of 10 startups helping to change the Arab world. Oh. So congrats to Coded.
0: According to Irish Tech News, a new school in Dublin called the Talent Garden Innovation School has opened. It offers 18-week part-time tech boot camps that focus on filling the skills gap around the digital economy. And they teach AI, data, UX design, digital sales, marketing, and digital transformation.
1: And we've already talked quite a lot about university and boot camp partnerships. But this next one is a community college launching its own code school. Metropolitan Community College is launching a 9-month part-time code school called MCC Code School.
0: And in the Vanderbilt Hustler, we learned that a dev bootcamp grad and a fellow Vanderbilt alum are launching a new bootcamp in Nashville called CodeBug over the summer. This summer their classes are in May and June.
1: And then according to CaribbeanBusiness.com, a 10-week coding bootcamp is launching in San Juan in the Caribbean. Code Trotters Academy is partnering with Rock Solid to offer scholarships to their upcoming summer cohort. Applications close on May 10th, so apply soon.
0: And according to TechCrunch, LoWagon is launching a part-time coding boot camp to cater to people who want to study while working full-time. Lowagon is huge now. They're still bootstrapped, but they have 34 campuses across 22 countries, so they are very large. But students in the part-time program will attend LoWagon on Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Saturday.
1: And then the Anchorage Press reports that the governor of Alaska, Mike Dunleavy, says he wants to, quote, pay any school district in Alaska to hold 12-week computer coding training sessions for children and adults, end quote. It sounds like there aren't many coding education options in Alaska, so if any coding bootcamp staff members are listening, this could be a good expansion opportunity.
0: And finally, if you made it all the way to the end of this podcast then you're in luck because these final couple stories may not be about coding boot camps, but they are juicy ideas, Stat News looks at whether the coding boot camp model could work for biotech. And The Economist dived into a claim from Lambda School that they would be launching a nursing boot camp. Those are two trends that, I mean, since boot camps started i've been like waiting for schools to talk about applying the boot camp model to healthcare. so those are trends that we will keep an eye out for and we'll keep you updated as we know more
1: and then we have a lot of new boot camps that we added to the course report directory in april first of all we had esmt berlin coding boot camp which is a trilogy boot camp in berlin germany we had Modern Labor, which we just talked about, which is an online coding bootcamp. We had Code Op, a coding bootcamp for women in Barcelona, Spain. Magna Mind, a data science bootcamp in Santa Clara, California. FlockJ, an online tech sales bootcamp. Wagner College, which offers tech bootcamps powered by QuickStart on Staten Island, New York. And Nova Data School, a data science bootcamp in Fairfax, Virginia.
0: Well, welcome to all of those schools. And Imogen, let's finish up the podcast with our favorite pieces that we published on the Course Support blog. Uh, what was your favorite?
1: Well, I enjoyed working on a new video that we just published, which is almost like a mini documentary about the coding bootcamp industry. We look at why the coding bootcamp industry exists and what sort of outcomes students see. The title of the video is, Are Coding Bootcamps Worth It? And we included interviews with coding bootcamp graduates from Hack Reactor, General Assembly, and Flatiron School. The video is on our YouTube channel, or you can find it in the resources section on Course Report.
0: I loved how that video turned out. It was great. Yay. Yeah.
1: And then, Liz, what was your favorite piece to work on this month?
0: Well, we haven't technically published this piece yet, but my favorite interview in April was with a mom named Ashley who went to digital crafts in Atlanta. And she graduated with an internship at a financial services company. And then she spun that job in or that internship into a full time job and just celebrated her one year anniversary there. So it was really fun to catch up with her. And with Mother's Day coming up, I asked her a few questions about getting through a boot camp while balancing kids and family. And she had amazing amazing advice on setting up a schedule and other kind of logistic things like that. But also, I loved this quote the most. Ashley said, quote, I think that becoming a developer has made me a better role model for my family. I have two girls of my own, and when I learn new things, I like to show them as well. They even made a sensor for their school garden to indicate when the soil needs water. So yeah, Ashley's just doing amazing things for the like Atlanta community and also for her family, and I loved it.
1: That sounds awesome. I can't wait to read that one.
0: Well, as always, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next month on the May Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. And of course, we love feedback. So email us at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please help other future bootcampers find it by going to iTunes or Stitcher, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. We will see you next month. Bye.